0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church Podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Come with me please to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. give you a moment to find that. So 2 Samuel 9, reading from verse 1. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Zeba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Makir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then king David sent and brought him out of the house of Makir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here is your servant." So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely, surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belong to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Zeba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. Story of David and Mephibosheth Is without doubt one of the most beautiful and poignant stories in the Old Testament. It's a story of restoration, of redemption. It's a story of a rescued man who was broken and helpless and hopeless into a place of great prominence in the kingdom. But like every great story, there's usually a backstory. And the backstory here doesn't start with Mephibosheth. It began many years before this with his father Jonathan and David. And we know that that day whenever David fought Goliath in the valley of Elah and defeated, cut the giant's head off, that from that moment, Jonathan, his admiration and his love for David grew and grew and grew <laughs> to such an extent that he was quite happily willing to lay down the crown that would have fallen to him in the natural and to side with David, whom he knew that God had anointed to be king. And at that moment in that valley of Elah that his father saw whenever David slew Goliath, that intense jealousy rose up in his heart especially when the woman made that great song up that David, that Saul had slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Uh, and Saul became insanely jealous and hostile towards David to the point where he actually threw a javelin at him and tried to pin him to the wall. And in those turbulent times, uh, we know that Jonathan befriended David against his father's will, and befriended him to such an extent that Saul even tried to kill his own son because he loved David as his own soul. Jonathan, sensing that things were not going to end well with his father and with his kingdom, went to David and asked him to make a promise. Knowing that things was not going to go well, that whatever would happen between the house of Saul and the house of David, whatever would befall it, that David would make a pledge to him that for the rest of his life and after he's gone for his children's lives, that he would show mercy, that he would be kind to them. In 1 Samuel 20, verse 14 and 15, listen to what it says. And you shall not only show me kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And David was quite happy to comply with that. And so way, way, way back... In Mephibosheth's history, his father and David had made a covenant, a pledge. And then the day came whenever Saul and his sons, including Jonathan, <coughs> died in battle. And the word came back from the battlefield that Jonathan was killed. Mephibosheth was only five years old at this time. he's just a little boy. And his nurse picked him up and fled. Now, it was customary in those days that if a a king killed another king, that more often than not, he would wipe out all of that defeated king's family, his children, grandchildren, descendants, and the idea being that none of them could grow up and exact retribution or vengeance against him. And so the nurse, knowing that, quite naturally picked up the child And fled. But in her fleeing, she stumbled and fell. And little Mephibosheth fell, crashed to the ground, and it looks like he broke his two ankles. And they never did set right. And for the rest of his natural life, he was lame on both his feet. Second Samuel 4:4 tells us that. Mephibosheth was taken by the Norse to live in Lodibar. Lodibar, the name Lodibar, means the place of no pastures. So this wasn't a great place to be, but she felt it was a safe place. It was in Gilead, which was away on the other side of the Jordan, far away from Jerusalem. And so here he is, the result of that fall, He's helpless. He's hopeless. He's living in a barn, fruitless, purposeless, empty place. A place of no pastures. Result of Adam's fall. Every man and every woman that has ever lived has been a spiritual cripple. Living in a place of no pastures. Instead of a place of green pastures. That God intended. Fallen man is broken, hopeless, helpless, living far away from the king. In fact, the truth is, he's in hiding from the king in Lodibar. In those first five years of Mephibosheth's life, he only had ever heard good things about David because Jonathan would only ever say good things about his dear, precious friend, David. But we can't say the same for the nurse. When the nurse picked him up and fled, perhaps she had in mind Because she knew the animosity and the hostility between the house of Saul and the house of David. So perhaps she had mine. Now that Saul and Jonathan are dead, perhaps David will come and he will wipe out all of Saul and Jonathan's family because he naturally is going to come to the throne now because they're gone. His old enemy is gone. Maybe that's what she thought. Perhaps she didn't know or maybe had forgotten about that covenant that Jonathan and David had made together. And so from he was five, little Mephibosheth, until he was about 21, he's now about 21, he's got a son of his own. He was afraid of David. He didn't know that a covenant had been made for him that would not only save him, but would bring him into a lasting relationship with the king. He didn't know that. And that's the problem with men today. They don't really know David's greater son, Jesus. They don't know that he's made a covenant for them that would save them, that would rescue them that would bring them into a wonderful relationship with God. They don't know that until somebody tells them. And so that's the problem today. Living in a place of no pastures, when all the time they could be living in Jerusalem, they could be feasting at the king's table, but they don't know that. So one day David is in his palace, many, many years later. He's in his palace, and his mind goes back to those days when he was with Jonathan. Maybe he was thinking about their adventures as young men. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God brought back to his memory the covenant he had made. And now he's going to do something about it. It's taken a while. But he remembers. And now he's going to do something about it. And so he calls for Ziba. He said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And Ziba replied, Yes, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. And he lives in Lodibar. And immediately the king's heart was stirred. Go get him. And he sent out a delegation. Maybe a few soldiers, some courtiers, maybe even Ziba doesn't say, but go get him. Bring him here. I want to meet him and see him. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Mephibosheth when early one morning there's a knock on his front door and he opens it and there's soldiers and there's chariots and there's the king's servants. And he knows exactly who they are. His heart must have dropped. All these years he has lived in obscurity and now the king has finally caught him. The king has finally caught up with him. Surely this must be bad news. He is the grandson of the king who tried to kill David. That could only mean one thing. Surely now he's going to be put to death. He knew that kings had the power of life and death in their hands. And he's standing there, hopeless, helpless, lame. And then suddenly, suddenly, one of them spoke. You see, he didn't know David's heart. He didn't know that spending all those years on Bar had been such a waste of time and life because he didn't know David's heart. He didn't know that all David ever wanted to do was to show him the kindness of God for Jonathan, his father's sake. That's all David ever wanted to do, but he didn't know that. If men knew that God only wants to show them kindness and mercy for his son Jesus' sake. And that's the gospel message. That's the message that we take to the world out there because they don't know the heart of God unless we tell them. What a welcome message that is. What a great message the gospel is. That's why it's good news, isn't it? And this was the greatest news this young man would ever hear. That David wasn't against him, that David was for him. And all David wanted to do was bless him and rescue him and bring him to Jerusalem and bring him to the palace and eat bread at his table continually. That's all he wanted to do. And as soon as Mephibosheth heard that news, <laughs> suddenly Jerusalem was a better proposition than Lodibar. (laughs) He couldn't wait to get there. He couldn't wait to get there. And suddenly for Mephibosheth, it was goodbye Lodibar, hello Jerusalem. That's the title of my message. Goodbye Lodibar, hello Jerusalem. What a difference. What a place to go and a place to be. Life had dealt them a bitter blow. There's no question about that. But today, this day, would begin a new chapter in his life, and he would never be the same. Goodbye, Lodibar. Hello, Jerusalem. And every man and woman that finds Christ as their personal Savior, it's goodbye, Lodibar. It's hello, Jerusalem. It's goodbye to that place of no pastures, And now they're going to the place of green pastures. Now they're going to sit at the king's table. Verses 6 and 7. Let me just read that again for you. In chapter 9. Verse 6 and 7. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, because he knew exactly what he had been thinking about all those years. Do not fear, he said, for I will surely surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Notice that David let him know that his kindness toward him was for Jonathan, his father's sake. That's important. His kindness was for Jonathan, his father's sake. There was nothing that Mephibosheth could have offered David. He was lame in both his feet, he was poverty stricken, he had nothing to offer. All he had was the clothes he stood up in. And David looked at him and said, I'm going to show you kindness for your father's sake. I made a deal with your father, and I will show you the kindness of God because of your father. Listen to this. Ephesians 1, 5 and 6 having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, listen to this, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Isn't that a powerful scripture? God has accepted us in his beloved. And that's the only reason. We had nothing to offer him. Nothing. We were laying spiritually in both our feet. We had nothing. Mephibosheth stood there helpless, hopeless, hapless, with nothing to offer. But he says, I'm going to love you and bless you for your father's sake. And God looks at us and said, I will accept you because of my beloved because he loves you, because he died for you, because he gave his life for you, I'm going to accept you and bless you and save you and rescue you. That's the gospel, isn't it? That's the gospel. Listen to this in Ephesians 2, 4 and 7, Paul speaking. But God who is rich in mercy Everything we have, everything God has given us was for Christ's sake. Isn't that wonderful? Because we are in his beloved. Because we, by simple faith, accepted Jesus, became born again from above. Now, God says, I accept you. I receive you. I rescue you. You're now in my family. And I do it because of my son. Not because of anything you have done. Not because of any of your works. But only because of my son. See, that puts us all on the same level, doesn't it? Every single one of us has been accepted in the beloved. Again in verse 7, he said to him, Do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. From no pastures to green pastures. You know, Saul had a lot of land. Lots of fields, vineyards, olives, grain. All of it, he says, i give to you. You'll have the supply for the rest of your life. Isn't that good news? You see, that was in the natural, his inheritance, that was estate, but he lost his estate. And man, because of Adam's fall, lost his first estate. But the last Adam, Christ, has restored man to his rightful place. (laughs) Because now we are heirs and we're joint heirs with Jesus, aren't we? We are seated in heavenly places in Christ. (laughs) I'm going to restore to you everything that you lost. Man lost everything in the fall, didn't he? Everything. Man has been afraid of God ever since. Been hiding from him. Just like Adam ran and hid in the garden when he fell. But God sent his son Jesus to win us back to himself. To bring us into his presence. And to restore us to that position that he had for us before Adam lost it. Again in verse 7 he said, And ye shall eat bread at my table continually. In that chapter, that phrase is repeated four times. The Holy Spirit who records this if he repeats something four times, it must be very important indeed. What's the importance of it? Very simple. The more he continually ate at the king's table, the more intimately, more intimate knowledge he had of the king, and the greater Fellowship he had with the king. And the more we continually eat at the king's table, the more we will get to know the king. Mephibosheth didn't really know David. He's a grown man now. And for the past lot of years, he's just been afraid of him. Thought he was going to come and kill him someday, hunt him down like a dog but now he's sitting at his table and he's eating his bread continually and he's watching and he's listening and he's seeing a David that he never knew. He's seeing the kindness, the wisdom, the generosity. And whenever you and I get saved and whenever we started to eat at the king's table, our whole idea of God began to change, didn't it? Suddenly for the first time, he was Father God to us. He wasn't this obscure idea somewhere out there, up there. Suddenly he was real to us. He was a father to us. And the more we eat at the king's table, the greater our relationship will be with the king. What a table was the king's table. (laughs) Mephibosheth had never seen the like of it. Every good fruit, every green vegetable, every tender meat, every delicacy, every refreshing drink was available every single day. It was all laid out for him every single day. This was fine dining at its best. Hmm. So you can see why for Mephibosheth it was goodbye, Lodibar, hello, Jerusalem. He had never seen anything like this. Certainly not in Lodibar. This was wonderful. And every single day, the table was spread. And God has spread a table for us as believers. And we can eat at it every single day. We've got manna from heaven. They've got the meat and the milk of the word. His word is sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. They've got the new wine of the spirit. They've got the grapes of Ashkal. We're living in a land now that's flowing with milk and honey. And it is spread for us every single day. Yeah. We can eat at the king's Hallelujah. table. Hmm. And verse 8, Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? You see, when he stood before that king in all of the splendor, in the midst of that magnificent palace, and the king was in his royal robes, probably with his crown upon his head, and he looked at himself... And he looked at the rags he was wearing. And he looked at his lame feet. And he thought, I'm like a dead dog. What in the world does he see in me? I'm nothing and I have nothing. (laughs) Must have felt mighty uncomfortable. Embarrassed, humbled, helpless, a dead dog. But the king looked beyond him and saw Jonathan. The king looked beyond Mephibosheth and saw Jonathan. It didn't matter what Mephibosheth looked like. It didn't matter what he felt like. David was looking at the covenant he made with Jonathan. And that's the wonderful thing for us. We came to God just as we were. Hopeless, helpless, nothing to offer. And he looked beyond that and he saw a son. And he accepted us in the beloved. the fact that he belonged to jonathan that was good enough for david because he was showing him kindness for jonathan's sake everything god does for us is by his grace not because we earned it or we merited or we deserved it it's just by his grace david didn't have to do anything for mephibosheth But because he made a covenant with him, he would not break his word. Everything God has given us is for his son's sake. Mephibosheth came to David just as he was. We come to God just as we are. Look at verse 9. We're almost finished. the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belongs to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, According to all my lord, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son, his name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, and he ate continually at the king's table, and he was laying on both his feet. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table, as one of the king's sons. (laughs) Not just as a shoe in here. Not just as that outcast from Lodi Bar. For when he comes in to my house, and he sits at my table, I will treat him as one of my sons. Isn't that lovely? I will treat him as one of my sons. If anybody had walked into that wonderful dining room and all David's sons and family were sitting at that table, they never would have guessed that Mephibosheth was not his son in the natural. He looked just like one of them. He was treated as just one of them. Do you know the amazing thing? And I've told you this a few times, but I, I cannot help but read this and just be absolutely amazed. In John chapter 17, in Christ's great prayer for his church. In verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it. Note this that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. That the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you know that almighty God loves you as much as he loves his own son? That's a fact. I can't understand it. I cannot get my head around it. But that's grace. That's love. That's mercy. That's the gospel. He loves you as much as he loves his own son. He shall eat bread at my table continually. He shall be as one of my sons. (laughs) Isn't this a wonderful message of the gospel? So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table and he was lame in both his feet. The scars of the fall were still upon his flesh. But when he sat at that table and he put those old lame legs underneath the table, nobody noticed. Nobody could see them. Didn't matter that he was lame on both his feet. (laughs) That was the scars of his fall. But now he's in a position and a place of prominence with the king. Treated as one of the king's sons. And every day he could come in there. And he could sit down and put his feet underneath that table, and nobody would know the difference. This is the grace of God, isn't it? Everything God has done for us today is because of his son, for his sake. He loves us for his sake, and he loves us as much as he loves him. And Jesus going to that cross and dying that death made that possible. The covenant was made for us. This is the new covenant in my blood. What a price he paid so that we could sit at the king's table tonight. Isn't God good? Isn't his mercy great? we who were undeserving, we who had nothing to offer or give, we who were spiritually lame in both feet, comes into his presence. And he says, I'm going to love you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save you. And I'm going to bless you for Jesus' sake. (laughs) Because you are in the beloved. And I have accepted you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for that mercy that has flowed from the cross. We thank you that He brought us into this banqueting house, and His banner over us is His love. We bless you that we are sons and daughters of the King tonight because of what Christ has done. And so, Lord, we have come to you, Lord, unworthy. We did not merit. We did not have any or our side to favor us. And yet, in your great love towards your Son, you have received us and accepted us. And now you love us even as you love your Son. Amen. What mercy. What salvation. What a gift that God has given us. And so we rejoice tonight, Lord, in your mercies we thank you that you have saved us and cleansed us and washed us. And you have given us robes of righteousness. And now, Lord, we can come into your presence because of your Son. And we know that we are your sons and daughters. And you have given us this wonderful privilege. And we bless you for it. And we give you thanks In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.